John chapter 10. John chapter 10. John chapter 10 in one hand and Psalm 23 in the other. Before we read these passages of Scripture, I would like to say something that I hope and pray would be an encouragement and maybe even possibly for some of us a mild rebuke. Yesterday when we met, and I say this to be an encouragement to you and to myself, but I encouraged you to study and meditate upon John chapter 10. And I'm sure that most of us, if not all of us, did. Yet I was so, this morning, hopeful to see and hear the evidence of that study in our prayers before God. The Word of God is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. We're incapable of ourselves of being able to understand it without the Spirit of God. And I just want to encourage you, when we are given a text in preparation for preaching, that we would not only study it and meditate on it, but that our prayers before it's preached would be filled with a longing to know it. When the disciples came to the Lord, they didn't ask Him to teach them how to preach or even do miracles. They said, teach us to pray. And like I've said for years, and I continue to say so even today, prayer is one of the greatest mysteries of the Christian life, which I believe we will never in this present life, even probably in the future, eternity never come to comprehend completely. But as God's children, we're encouraged through His Word to be taught to pray. And so far, I simply wanted to say that encouragement for the future for our church when the Lord leads us to a text and gives us time to read and meditate on it. May our prayers before we hear it preached be filled with it, which is evidence and fruit of our truly meditating upon it. And again, if and I'm sure we all did, studied and read John chapter 10 last night and knowing that that God led us there to be preached in that text, we should have our prayers filled with the desire to know that text. For we know without God we cannot learn or know anything. So I 
pray that you would take those words in a good way, an encouraging way. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. That's my prayer this morning, that the Lord will prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies in this world. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over, surely goodness and mercy. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. John chapter 10. Verse 1, Verily, verily I say unto you, that he, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, that climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am, no, am, am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. There was a division, therefore, again among the Jews for these sayings. And many of them said, He hath a devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, These are not the words of him that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believed not. 
the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Let's pray our Heavenly Father, the words that we just read, if we would, Father, but take the time to meditate and pray over these words, Father, we would take a lifetime to understand them. We pray, dear God, that you'd be merciful to us this morning. Lord, help us to hear thy voice through the preaching of thy word. Lord, remind us of the great debt that we owe to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that, Lord, that you would enhance our love for thee this morning. And I pray that most of all, you would be honored and glorified in everything that's said and done this morning. Help us to hear what the Spirit saith unto this group of believers this morning. Write its truths upon our hearts. And Lord, I pray once again that, Father, you'd be honored and glorified in lifting up your Son, that he might draw us all unto him. Father, we love you and we thank you for all things, for we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. John chapter 10 and Psalm 23 (laughs) are very close. If ever our Lord, our Good Shepherd, prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies, then surely this 10th chapter of the Gospel of John is the feast of all feasts. For here, herein, in this 10th chapter, our Good Shepherd would not only declare His great love for His own sheep, but also His divine protection and security of all of His sheep, not only in this present life, but unto eternity. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Surely goodness and mercy, Psalm 23 ended, shall follow us all the days of our life presently, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not once. This is an amazing chapter, this 10th chapter of the Gospel of John, because our Lord speaks before the heathen, before the lost, before the Pharisees. He's preparing a table for his children before the presence of his enemies. And I pray that we would feast upon it this morning by God's grace, that we would be reminded of the great debt that we owe God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that we should be called His sheep, that we should hear His voice, and that we should be enabled by His grace to follow Him into eternal life. What a blessing that is that we have as God's children. And so often we take for granted what we have in Christ. I pray this morning we would be reminded of our Savior's great love for us, 
and the Father's great love for us and the Spirit's great love for us that we might once again lift up our praises afresh and anew to God our Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit for a wonderful salvation such as we have in Christ. My sheep, Christ says in verse 27. My sheep. We could just sit there for a while and meditate upon it. My sheep. What an amazing declaration. One which speaks of great intimacy and love. They're my sheep. Have you ever studied that life or a life of a shepherd? He does have great intimacy and love for his sheep. He watches over them gently, carefully. They're timid creatures. They don't like rushing water. Anything frightens them. They're stupid. And I say that bluntly because it's true. They're ignorant animals. He's got to watch over them. So he has an intimate love for his sheep. They're his sheep. But it only not only speaks of intimacy and love when he says, my sheep, but he speaks of authority and power of, as well. These are my sheep. They belong to me. Not only do I love them intimately, but I protect them. I lay down my life for them. Have you considered yourself, or when is the last time you considered yourself as Christ's sheep? My sheep, hear my voice. That speaks of intimacy. In verse like we, the verse six, like we've already said last week, they understood not what things they were which he spake of. They didn't hear him, and so he says it again. Jesus said to them again, verily, verily, and they still didn't understand. They still didn't believe. Why? Because he says, "You're not of my sheep." And I'll get into that in a few minutes. He doesn't say because you're not my sheep. He said you're not of my sheep. Very important. Pay heed to every word. He didn't say because you're not my sheep. You're not of. My sheep, you're not of this special fold, which belongs solely to me. They hear my voice, and I know them. Isn't that amazing? But how can Christ make such a bold declaration? What gives him the right? What gives him the authority and power to claim them his sheep? They're my sheep. Before he speaks about hearing a voice, before he speaks about following them, before he speaks about giving them eternal life, he begins with two words. They're my sheep. You need to understand that from the very beginning. They're not just any sheep. They're my sheep. What gives him the authority? What gives him the power? What gives him the right to claim them as his sheep? And I want to give you three, of which I'm only going to be able to speak of the first this morning. And I pray and hope that God would enhance our love for Him even more greater than when we walk through the doors this morning. First of all, what gives Him the right, what gives Him the power, what gives Him the authority to claim, to make such a declaration of them being His sheep is because of divine choice. Verse 29, my Father which gave them me divine choice. That's what gives him the right. 
were chosen by God. I could stop there and we could pray and go home and we should all have enough to feed us for the rest of the day. My Father which gave them me. I could say that over and over and over again and never get tired of it. My Father which gave them me. That's the first reason why Christ can declare them His sheep. The second, they're His sheep by divine calling. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. Look on verses 3 and 4. To him the porters open, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. Calleth his own sheep by name. The intimacy of those words. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Listen to that. It's repetitive. They know my voice. They follow me because they know my voice. The second reason why Christ has the power and authority to say these are my sheep is not only by divine choice, which is the first and foremost, but also because of a divine calling. I called them. They hear my voice. And thirdly, and this seals the deal, if I can use that phrase, thirdly, they're his sheep by divine purchase. Verse 15. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. Divine choice, divine choosing, divine calling, divine purchase. That's a threefold cord that cannot be broken. First of all, he said, they're my sheep because my Father gave them to me. That's where we begin looking and examining our salvation. Not on my prayer, not on my repentance, not even on the sufficiency of the blood of Christ. And don't, un, don't un, uh, misunderstand me when I say that, but that's not where we begin. We must begin with our salvation with God the Father. My Father which gave them me. They're my sheep because the Father gave them to me. Beloved, herein lies the very foundation, the very origin of man's salvation, without which there could be no salvation. If God does not give us unto Christ, there can need no salvation. The blood of Christ does not avail for those the Father does not give Him. Are you listening to me? We got this whole thing backwards. Let's look back over at John chapter 6, which we studied for quite a while, and John chapter 6 to refresh our memories. John chapter 6, and I want you to understand this this morning because it is, in, it is imperative that we understand this. And, and believe me, this is the truth that we really need to take home and meditate over and over and think about, pray about, until it grasps our entire being. I am a child of God first and foremost because God the Father gave me to Christ. He chose me. In John chapter 6, verse 36, But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. Listen to this. Again, he said, you don't believe me. In verse uh, chapter 10, he said, you heard me and don't believe me. Now you see me and don't believe me. Nothing Christ did was able for them to see or understand Christ because, not because they had unbelief, but because they were not of his sheep. That's what he's trying to tell them. 
in verse 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. You see that? Now look down to verse 44 again. We looked at these verses as well. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God, every man, therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father, cometh unto me. When we come unto Christ, when God draws us unto the Son, it's the blood of Jesus Christ which washes our sins away. But if you noticed in the context of all these verses, the Lord speaks first and foremost of God having the Father having to draw them first. There's no effectual working in the blood if you've not been called. The blood don't work for those who have not been called. Are you following my train of thought? We know this theology. In fact, we boast about understanding it and believing it. The sovereignty of God, divine election. But does it grasp our hearts and our minds in such a fashion that we worship and adore and worship God? Think about that for a minute. Christ's blood is only effectual for those to whom the Father has given him. It starts with God the Father. Salvation starts with God the Father, drawing us unto Christ. So often in this day and age of knowledge and wisdom, and I say that lightly, people speak of this doctrine as though it was something they read out of Reader's Digest. Do you realize what our Lord is saying here? Do you realize how this divine truth strips man of every merit every good thing about himself, takes everything away from him, and gives all. Man hates and despises this doctrine because it allows him no part or portion in his salvation. Christ is simply saying that the sheep that belong to me are drawn to the Father, and unless the Father draws you to me, you are no wise ever be able to be of my sheep. But those that are my sheep are drawn of the Father first and foremost. So we're in John chapter 17. This high priest prayer here. John chapter 17. I've underlined all of these expressions in this John. John chapter 17. As thou hast given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life. Well, that's good. And we didn't stop there. Listen to the words. Listen to them again. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. You see where he puts the emphasis? I've got power, he says, over all flesh to give eternal life, but only to those whom you have given me. Where salvation starts. Divine choosing, divine choice. Look, look over in verse 6, same chapter. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were. I got stuck on that one for a long time yesterday. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were. What do you mean, thine they were? Past tense. 
You see why I said that we should pray more over the text we're fixing to hear preached? This is an amazing truth which none of us can fathom in our finite mind. We simply read over it. Thine they were. When? Before you gave them to me out of the world, they were years before the world began. And thou gavest them me. And thou gavest them me. Look at verse 9. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me. For they are thine. Finally, what were we before we were made Christ's sheep through his blood? We were the fathers. Try to fathom that just for a moment. Man despises to look at salvation like this. You say, oh no, we were not Christians before, until the blood cleanses from all our sins. Yeah, in God's perfect salvation plan, yes, effectually. But we were the Father's way, 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 way before that. Preacher, I can't fathom that. Welcome to the club. But it's something worth meditating upon. I'm getting ahead of myself. I do not know or understand the hidden purposes and wisdom of God. No man can. I know not why God has passed over thousands, if not millions of people and called me or you out to know his son. I know not why the Father drew us. I know not why the Father chose us. But I know the scripture is very clear concerning that truth. And whether I understand it or whether I can <laughs> explain it, it doesn't remove the fact that it's a divine truth. Thine they were before you gave them to me. Look in verse 11, or verse 12, again, or, yeah, verse 11. <laughs> And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me. Again, he says it. Verse 24, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name, those that thou gavest me. Verse 24, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. You see how even in this high priestly prayer, one, two, three, four, five, six times our Lord says those whom thou hast given me. You think he's trying to impress upon our hearts the significance of the Father giving us to him. You know, in many ways, and this is true even in the ranks of those who believe in the doctrines of grace, in many ways the Father, the Father's part, if I could use that term for lack of a better one, his role in our salvation is often overlooked, and yet Christ, throughout the Gospel of John, made it clear that the Father should not be overlooked in the role of our salvation, because our salvation began with Him. 
I came to do my father's will. What was his father's will? To call his elect out of the world, those whom now he has given me. That's what I've come for. The father, <sighs> the father has a chosen people, and I've come to redeem that those chosen peoples. I've come to give them forgiveness of sins. And the Father has given him. Christ's sheep are first and foremost his sheep by divine choice. And beloved, this divine truth is the very origin of our salvation. Jonah said it best when he said, Jonah chapter 2 verse 9, salvation is of the Lord. Even those who embrace the doctrines of grace are afraid to expound on this truth too much because they're afraid it's going to drive people away by making them think, well, what if I'm not one of God's sheep? What if I'm not one of God's chosen? Then I have no hopes. Let me tell you something. You're sitting under the gospel. If you're hearing the gospel, there's a good chance that you are if you just listen. Preach the gospel to every creature. You have such a privilege this morning if you're here without Christ because you're hearing the very words of God telling you your need of Christ. Telling you that Christ is the only way to the Father. Telling you that only by His blood shall we be forgiven of our sins. And only by His divine will and purpose is salvation given. It's a privilege and honor which many people in this day and age in this world throughout history has never had, but you do. <laughs> the Lord said, but you believe not because ye are not of my sheep. Not my sheep. You're not of my sheep. You're not of my sheep. Therefore, you can't believe. Their unbelief was not due to anything in and of themselves but because they were not of his sheep. Sinful man looks at that and says, that's not being fair, that's not being just, that's not being right. How can he exclude them? Well, in this first reason, if I can use for lack of a better one, why Christ has the authority and power to call him as my sheep, it's first based on God's sovereignty, not on sinful man. Not on his need, not on anything except God himself. You've got to remember, this is the sovereignty of God we're speaking about now. God's not, how, how can mankind think that he can have part in something that only God himself can do? So but by divine choice, God is severally speaking here saying, salvation is of me. Has nothing to do with the sinner's need. Has nothing to do with the sinner himself. It has everything to do with God's sovereignty. I do what I do because I'm God. I have the right to do what I want because I'm God. Romans chapter 9 says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. And you know, hopefully, the context where Paul speaks up and asks the question, all mankind, is there? then God is unjust. And Paul goes on to say, How, who are you to question the Creator? Hath not the potter power over the clay? 
It's a sovereign declaration. It's a sovereign truth. You see, salvation begins with the sovereignty of God, not man's need. This worldly gospel, this prosperity gospel has got it turned around that God for some reason is now living for man's need. God never existed for man's need. It's all about the sovereignty of God. Salvation begins, ends, and thrives on the sovereignty of God. (coughs) How humbling that is for us as God's chosen people to even think about that. I know not, like I said earlier, I know not the hidden wisdom and purposes of God. I have no idea what moves God to choose whom, in what generation, in what age, down through history. I know not. I know not. I only know what has been revealed to us in His Word and the Gospel. And so much has been revealed to prove to us it is God who chooses. And that is sufficient for me. That no man can come to Christ except the Father which has sent Christ draw him. And beloved, if you ask me, this exalts the unmerited mercy, grace, and love of God like none other. Are you listening to me like none other? It would be love in a certain form or fashion if God says, okay, I'm just going to open it up to all sinners. You believe in me, I'll save you. I hope you believe in me and I'll save you. And one might say, well, that's love and mercy. But let me tell you something. When God proves in his word that he chooses whom he will to bring unto his son, that is a love for those who come unto Christ because of the Father. That is a love that is unmerited and exalts love to the, love to the highest level. Why me, Lord? Like I said yesterday, who would think that a Saul of Tarsus, a persecutor of the church, would be one of Christ's sheep, the thief on the cross, who hours and days earlier committed thievery and robbery and lies, hours before he passes out of this world would become a sheep. Zacchaeus, Small of stature climbs a tree because he can't see over the crowd. And the Lord looks up in the tree and said, Salvation has come to your house today. Come on down out of that tree. Look at us. Look at us, our past, our history. Who would have thought that God would call us into the fold of Christ? And yet he did. That should make us fall upon our face daily, giving thanks and praise to God. Some old hymn writers, our brother was speaking about hymn writers, some old hymn writers expressed it better than I could. (coughs) So give me patience here to read just two hymns. The first one, "'Tis not I did choose thee, for Lord, that could not be. This heart would still refuse thee, hast thou not chosen me. Thou from the sin that stained me hast cleansed and set me free. Of old thou hast ordained me that I should live to thee. 
Twas sovereign mercy called me and taught my opening mind. The world had else enthralled me to heavenly glories blind. My heart owns none before thee, for thy rich grace I thirst. This knowing if I love thee, thou must have loved me first. And the second one. <clears throat> Twas with an everlasting love that God has own, his own elect embraced. Before he made the worlds above or earth on her huge columns placed. Long before the sun's first brilliant ray, primeval shades of darkness drove. They on his sacred bosom lay, love with an everlasting love. That will cause you to think for a few minutes. Then in his love and his decrees, Christ and his church appeared as one. Her sin by imputation his, while she in spotless splendor shone. Such love how high its glories swell, how great, immutable, and free. Millions of sins deserving hell were swallowed up, no more to be. Loved when wretched, defiled with sin, at war with heaven in league with hell, a slave to every lust obscene, who living lived but to rebel. Believing here my comfort stands, salvation undeserved and free, such everlasting love demands an everlasting song from me. Oh. They grasped and understood what Christ was saying when he said, they're my sheep by divine choice. Beloved, long before we heard his voice, long before Christ, the Lamb of God, shed his blood for our sins, God the Father loved us and chose us that we might know Christ. Ponder that. Meditate upon that. Long before that, God the Father said his love on us. I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Twas with everlasting love that God his own elect embraced before he made the worlds above or earth on our huge columns placed. Oh, beloved, how that should enhance our praise and our worship and our adoration. Christ makes it clear in our text. They're my sheep because the Father gave them me. That's why he has the authority to claim that. 1 John 4, 9 to 10, and I'll just briefly go over these. The love of God manifested towards us. 1 John, well, let's just go ahead and read them together. I, I like taking time to read Scripture. 1 John 4. <laughs> Excuse me, 1 John 4, 9 and 10. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Now listen to the wording again. It's almost as Christ was speaking it in John chapter 10. For in this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son in the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Now watch. And sent his son. Do you follow that? Before he speaks of sending the son, he said, the reason the father sends the son into the world is because he loved us. The motivation was love for his chosen. But he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You see that? His love is the reason he sent Christ into the world. 
Second Thessalonians chapter two. Follow me on this. Second Thessalonians chapter two. Second <clears throat> Thessalonians chapter two and verse thirteen. Listen to it again in the same order. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and the belief of the truth. Look at that. God chose you to what? To sanctification. To salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and believe the truth, whereunto he called you by our God. You see, even before the calling of the gospel comes, Paul wants to make clear that you understand that we were chosen from the beginning. God has chosen you from the beginning. You see, my Father, which gave them me, they're my sheep by right of divine choice. A sovereign choosing of God the Father. Christ didn't come into this world and die on the cross and now stands up in glory or sits in glory wringing his hands, wondering if people are going to believe in him or not. Well, not one drop of Christ's blood was spent futilely or futilely. Futilely? Somebody correct me on that. Every drop of Christ's blood was spent on each of his own Look in First Peter chapter one. First Peter chapter one. Verse two. Again. Same fashion. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling in the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. What does Peter do? Just like Paul, just like Christ, he said, you're elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Again, he brings God the Father and the glory. You know, so often, like I said, so often we are <clears throat> guilty of ignoring the Father. And I'll be the first to admit my guilt. Oh, we love the Lord Jesus Christ. It constrains us. The love of Christ is something wonderful and glorious. But so often we ignore the work of the Father. That we would have never known Christ had not the Father from eternity drawn us unto himself. We would have never known Christ. He's the one that taught us. Christ said in John 6, unless you be learned of the Father. He's the one that brought us to Christ. He's the one that first ordained us from eternity that we might be Christ. He's the one that first loved us when we did not love Him. My sheep, by right of divine choice, because the Father gave them me. Like I said earlier, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. I have loved thee. You know, it's the past tense in that too. Not I love thee with an everlasting love. Like I'm beginning here, he speaks as though he always have. I have loved thee. You say, but God can't love us without our sins. Oh, 
like I said, I'm not trying to say that I understand the hidden purposes and 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 decrees and counsels of God, but I do know what the Scripture t- tells us. I knew what the Gospel reveals. The Father says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. He draws us with loving kindness. <laughs> Because he's loved us with an everlasting love. You know, yesterday in prayer meeting, when I was praying for the children, it came across my heart and mind that I so wish that children in a young age would be converted, that they might be spared. Life without Christ. So many years such as I. I got converted at the age of 22, but that's 22 years of living a wicked, vile life. That God would save me in spite of myself. Oh, that we might pray for our children, that they might come to know Christ at a young age, that they would spend more of their life in this world serving Christ and loving Christ. So that should be our prayers. My Father which gave them me, they're my sheep by divine choice, first and foremost. (laughs) Have you ever heard anybody say, why do you think you're salvation? Or why do you think you're saved? People say, well, because I prayed. or Well, because Christ's blood. Well, because um, I I was convicted of my sins. Have you ever heard anybody say, because the Father chose me from the foundation of the world? And then he drew me to Christ, and then Christ purchased me with it. You've never heard him say that, have you? (laughs) But that's biblical order. Which gives God all the glory. Because God chose me from the foundations of the world. Oh, wait a minute, that's boasting and prideful. Oh, no. Oh, no. He drew me to Christ. He taught me of Christ. They're his sheep first and foremost because the Father gave them him by divine choice. And from this divine choice comes the divine calling. He's commanded. My sheep hear my voice. You see that? In the mind and heart, if I can use physical things for God, the Father, but in the mind and heart of God, he chose us from the beginning of the world. But then in the effectual time, in the right timing, he called us. Remember that verse our brother quoted when he was giving his testimony, that verse that says, you shall hear a voice behind you saying, go this way. My sheep hear my voice. There's a divine calling. And oh, I'm looking forward to get into that one there. That when the voice of Christ pierces the deep darkness of our hearts and souls and shines the light of his everlasting love, in our hearts, he calls us out of a world of sin, of life of sin and misery unto himself. There's a divine calling. That's the second reason why Christ has the authority to say they're my sheep. And the third, and this seals, it's the divine purpose is promised. I lay down my life. For what? For the sheep. Which sheep? My sheep. Well, if you haven't laid down your life yet, how can you call them my sheep? Because the Father gave me. And he calls them out. And then what I do is I lay down my life for the sheep. 
I purchase them with my blood. I make it effectual. Oh, and you can go on and on from there. The divine effects are evidence of such a, of being Christ's sheep. They follow me. That's simple, isn't it? They follow me. And the promise of divine protection and safety I give unto them eternal life, and they shall not perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. My Father and I are one. And the Jews said, grab a stone, let's kill this guy. Here's a table prepared in the presence of our enemies. May we feast from it. May we enjoy it. May we be nourished spiritually from it. And may we grow in the things of Christ, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, by it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this text, which, Father, there's no way I could have even scratched the surface. Yet, Father, with much prayer and meditation, I pray that it would sink deeper with inside of our hearts and our affections, that the Holy Spirit of God would engraft it into our hearts. And Lord, from it, we would begin to praise you and worship you and thank you that our salvation began from the very foundations of the world. And Father, your love for your elect, you embraced them before you created the world. Father, what a thought that is. How humbling. Father, I pray that, God, you'd work in our hearts mightily, that we might learn from these truths, and in doing so, that we might follow our Good Shepherd. Father, we love thee, and we thank thee so much for your everlasting love and drawing us to Christ. We ask now that you bless. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.